You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Amen. Let's bow in a word of prayer as we open up the Word of God this evening and ask Him for the full understanding and the full reality of what Christmas really means. Father, today we come to worship you. Today we come to worship your son, Jesus. Father, our prayer is simple as we open up the word of God tonight. Help us see the full beauty and the full wonder of what Christmas really is. God, for every heart here in this place, may we not just sing songs tonight, but may we truly, truly adore you. Father, I pray that every heart here would be ignited with the reality of who Jesus is and what he means to us. For God, you truly are alone worthy to be praised. And God, may we worship you even now as we open up your word. Would you speak to us today? God, I I can't speak a word that is gonna change any life, but oh God, you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, have spoken a word and can speak a word that can change every heart here in an instant to all who hear and receive and respond to the truth of Jesus. So God, may this Christmas be one of absolute worship and surrender in this place. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, I invite you to take a seat uh, this evening. We're just gonna open up the word of God together for just a few short, just a few short minutes. For the last number of weeks as a church, we've been going through a series through actually Psalms and helping us see what it truly means to worship Jesus uh, at Christmas. And so I want you to know tonight that we don't gather here just to sing some songs because we love singing songs. We gather here because we are worshiping the God of the universe who came for us, and Christmas is truly a time to celebrate. Christmas is the biggest celebration in the calendar, and yet it's so often, it's so often spent hustling from one big event to another. We do Christmas gatherings and Christmas shopping and Christmas recitals and, of course, Christmas charity, and we try so hard, we try so hard to make this season so meaningful and memorable, but the reality of Christmas really is this. It's not what we do or don't do that makes this day so special because Christmas really isn't about us at all. It's about what already has happened that makes this day the most significant of all in the year. And so all we're doing is we come together. If you're new to this and you're just kind of like, what are we, what's going on here? We're, we're only worshiping Jesus because of what's already happened. We're not trying to make this a special day. This day is already the most special day on the calendar because it's the day that marks when God came to be among us. Writer Dorothy Sayers says it this way and helps us understand this matter. She says it this way. It is the matter of dogma that is the drama. Dogma being the truth of God that's the drama. It's not beautiful phrases nor comforting sentiments nor vague aspirations to loving kindness and to uplift each other. Nor is it the promise of something nice after death but it's a terrifying assertion that the same God who made the world lived in the world. And pass through the grave and the gate of death, the reality of the incarnation, God becoming a man. This is the fullness of Christmas. And it can only be meaningful and real if it is beheld. The fullness of Christmas can only be enjoyed if it is fully, if we fully step back and lift our hearts to Jesus in worship. God becoming a man can't be sold or scheduled or enjoyed like my favorite food or most cherished present. The truth can only be beheld to be realized. 
And so tonight we're going to look at Psalm chapter 98, and my only hope, my only prayer for tonight is that we would all simply behold the wonder of Jesus again. Psalm chapter 98, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Psalm chapter 98, let me read it for you, and then let me help you get just a few quick points out of this tonight that I I pray will set up your Christmas for the, the full meaning of what God intends for you this season. Psalm 98, starting at verse one, it says this. The subtitle is this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, which is what we've been doing tonight, making a joyful noise to the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord, it says a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered, get this, his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel and also to all the ends of the earth because they have seen the salvation of our God. And so that's the message of Christmas right there. Psalm 98, the message of Christmas. And here's how we're to respond to this, verse four, right to verse nine. Therefore, we, when we see this reality, when we understand the fullness of what Jesus is, this is our only response. So we make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And we break forth into joyous song and sing praises. We're not singing songs tonight because they're all Christmas classics that do us well. We're singing songs because this is true. We sing praises to the Lord with lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets, the sound of the horn. We make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Traditionally, this is not a Christmas psalm. It wasn't meant for Christmas. What it was meant for, it was a victory song to God by his people for his faithfulness in their lives from delivering them from their enemies. But it's become a Christmas sort of classic for us because as the people of Israel look back, remember all that God has done, they're looking forward to Christ coming and and it's become a Christmas classic because we realize that the ultimate ultimate salvation from our enemies came when Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And so we look forward then to his second coming, but we look back on his victory with the same amount of gusto and excitement as the Israelites did as they looked forward to his coming. For the miracle of Christmas is really the reality of this, that Jesus came not for vacation from heaven or to be on some diplomatic trip to exchange pleasantries with man, but he came on behalf of God to ultimately rescue us from the enemy and save his people from our sins. And this is what prompted Isaac Watts to write joy to the world. This, this psalm is what prompted joy to the world. And, and so Isaac Watts is looking at this. This is, what, this is what we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus coming and joy to the world that Jesus is the king who will bring light to the whole world. If you picked up on it already, the first three verses, it says this three times. It says salvation, salvation, salvation. The ultimate theme of this passage is salvation. And so what the psalmist look forward to by faith, we can look back on with certainty that salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. What the psalmist knew by faith, we know by name today, and that's why we celebrate. And so our worship this evening is directed at Jesus. The worship as we go through the psalm is directed at Jesus, three realities of God's salvation in verses one to three, and then we'll just quickly hit a response of how we can fully grasp this this Christmas. Here's the three realities of God's salvation. Number one is this, Christmas is the reality of God's astonishing power. 
Christmas is simply the reality of God's astonishing power. It's not this nice little scene on a Hallmark card that is, is, is just for sentiment. It is the astonishing reality of God's power. Here's what it says in v- verse one. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For why? For he has done marvelous things. It's really a song of worship of our Redeemer God and and songs generally fill celebrations. They naturally fill the air at celebrations, don't they? Songs are what we use to celebrate. Look at any gathering where you sing and what's a party without music? Weddings have songs and grad parties have songs and sports teams have songs and Christmas parties crank the tunes. Why? It's not necessarily new songs we sing because songs somehow do something so deep and meaningful in our soul. It brings out a new expression of joy, don't they? Songs like touch the soul and so when when the psalmist calls us to sing new songs, he's really what he's asking us to do is stop and allow God to do something brand new in our hearts again this Christmas, the joy of the Lord. And to stop and see the reality again of what of the marvelous things that God has done. That's where our joy of Christmas comes from. It's, it's not trying to make it happen. It's stopping and just realizing what God has already, the marvelous things that God has already done for us. And you know what happens? A new song springs up in our hearts. Maybe it's through an old song, maybe it's through a new song, but a new expression of praise comes up in our hearts. We don't use the word marvelous anymore. I don't use the word marvelous, do you? Preacher's not gonna be thrown out of my house tomorrow. Well, what a marvelous present, Dad. But you have to understand what marvelous means to get the full grasp of this passage. Marvelous, the marvelous acts of God. It means means something that's done with wonder and astonishment. Israelites are looking back saying, wow, can you believe that God delivered us from Babylon? Can you believe that God took all of our captives? We were hopeless, we were done, we were dead, but God took that and he delivered us. That is marvelous. That's like, wow. We look back on Christmas and we say, wow, the marvelous act of God did is that simply God entered into our world to deliver us from our sins. Not from our enemies, but from the enemy. I can look back on a lot of gifts that I've gotten over the Christmas years and there's a lot of good ones, but none that I would say would be astonishing. Maybe my Commodore 64 when I was 12, that was pretty close to astonishing, but (laughs) it's a computer for those young guys who don't know that. But that's not astonishing. I've never been astonished by a Christmas gift. But you know what? The older I get, the more astonished, the more like filled with wonder I am that, that the greatest gift of all Christmas is that Jesus, God himself, left his throne in heaven and came to earth for sinners like you and I. That's an astonishing gift. It's only the power of God that made that happen. It's the astonishing power of God that made Christmas happen, the first Christmas, by his right hand and his holy arm. He he actually, by his power, here's how God made Christmas happen, by his power, by his supernatural power, he implanted a divine baby in the womb of a young lady so that his sinless son could be born on earth. Think about that for a minute. By his divine power, God supernaturally implanted a divine baby inside the womb of a young lady so that his sinless It's the only way it could happen that his sinless son would be born on earth. Now that's astonishing, don't you think? You know, some of you are like, that's baloney, like that would never happen. And and I've been thinking about this all week. Like, you know, you're not not used to kind of hearing about the divine birth of God. You're probably like, that could never happen. And I just want you to stop and think about all the crazy things you think and you believe. 
This is not far-fetched when you realize the reality of a powerful right hand of God and the depth of his love for his people. Christmas is really an unequaled and unforgettable miracle and that's why we celebrate, that's why we sing with such gusto in our church because where can you find such an astonishing gift other than the son of God himself on earth among us? You can't find it anywhere. Second thing we read in this passage here is Christmas is clearly God making Jesus known to us. By his right hand and his holy arm, he has worked salvation for him, for us. Look what it says in verse two, the Lord has made known his salvation. See those words, made known, he's made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Christmas is plain and simply God making known to us Jesus Christ. How do we know? How do we know God? Well, he gave us his son that we might know God. What does God look like? He gave us his son that we might know what God looks like. He's revealed, he's unveiled his son to us at Christmas. We line up for long, long lines and get all excited about things like the unveiling of the new Apple Watch. Remember that thing was gonna change everyone's life? Didn't change anybody's life. Just made them want more, the next. But when the unveiling of Jesus Christ actually happened, when God made known what was previously unknown to the world, remember they've been longing for this from the beginning of time, ever since sin happened, they've been longing for the Messiah. When, when God made Jesus Christ known, it truly changed the world forever and every heart that would adore Jesus would be changed forever. Christmas is the greatest unveiling of all of history of the one who truly revolutionizes our lives for all of eternity. Because Jesus is the only one that can work our salvation. Acts 4.12, this is clearly talking about Jesus making known his salvation. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. Old Testament prophets talked about Jesus. They longed for Jesus. Jesus came in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are account of his life. And after that, the New Testament is all about how we live in light of Jesus. And so when it's talking about salvation, he's clearly talking about Jesus Christ here. There's only one name, it says in Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Christmas is God clearly making Jesus Christ known. He's made known salvation. Christmas in, you ask Jesus what Christmas is about. Here's what Jesus says Christmas is about. In his own words, Jesus describes Christmas for us in John 18, 37. From his perspective, Jesus says this, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Why? To bear witness to the truth. The truth of the fact that we are all hopeless and helpless sinners apart from the saving grace of God. Jesus is God making the truth of himself and his ways known to the world. That's why we at Christmas, that's why we stop everything at Christmas. We come to church on Christmas Eve and we just stop and be like, wow, God. That's awesome. John Piper says it this way. He says, Christmas is not a beginning, but a becoming. Christ was not created, he came. God sent God to rescue us. Christmas is not a beginning. Let me say it again. So you get, stop and think of this. Christmas is not a beginning, but a becoming. Christ was not created. He came. God sent God to rescue us. Let's be honest. We all need rescuing. 
I need rescuing. I'm not standing here because I'm much better than anybody else in this room. I need rescuing as much as you do. The astonishing truth is that God looked down upon our plight in all of our sin and all of our propensity to do all the wrong things. He looked down on our plight and realized the only way they can be saved from their own sin is not by themselves but by somebody else. And that's gotta be my son as a perfect sacrifice for their sins. And so this salvation is so significant. This salvation changes everything for us. Christmas is really about this. God came to save us, get this, from our own self-destructive behaviors. Christmas is God coming to rescue us from an empty existence. Christmas is God coming to bail us out from the consequences of our, our innate ability to mess things up with God and others. Christmas is God coming down to rescue us to rescue us from the power of death. Christmas is God coming down to save us from the evil all around us, and so we celebrate not he is coming as we have this this point in history of 2015. We celebrate as in this, he has come. This isn't good news of great joy. This is the best news of ultimate joy. God came down, that's what Christmas is, it's God came down, in a nutshell, it's God came down. Think of all the headlines that have changed human history over the course of the last even hundred years. This one trumps them all. Think of some of these headlines. May 8th, 1945, V-Day is over. Remember, that was supposed to be, that, that's gonna change everything. V-Day's over. God came down, trumps that one. July 21st, 1969, man stepped onto the moon. That's gonna open up a whole new world for us. God came down and opened up a whole new spiritual world for us. November 9th, 1989, the Berlin Wall and the fall of communism. Jesus Christ came down to rescue us from the oppression of the enemy, Satan himself. This is the headline of all headlines. That's why we're still celebrating this 2,000 years later. That's why even people want to stop this celebration. They want to take Christmas off the map and make it something else. But you know what? God's never going to let that happen. He's never going to let that happen. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to fight for his believers. God's not going to let that happen because this is a salvation story for 2,000 years. It's been making headlines and it's going to make headlines until he comes back. Every Christmas, it's going to be the same thing. Headlines of the newspaper tomorrow. Christmas, Christ is here. God came down. God will never let Christmas be a forgotten story. You know why? Because Salvation is at Christmas. Jesus was born as a man that he could die for all men. Let those soak into you tonight. If you're sitting here and like, man, I don't really have any reason to celebrate. Like, I'm not getting into the celebration. Just those two points alone. Think of that. God's astonishing power alive is, is, is alive is the truth of Christmas. God clearly making Jesus Christ known. Get this. The world strives to make Christmas happen. We believe we don't have to make anything happen at Christmas. You know what we get to do? We get to to celebrate what's already happened. We don't have to make meaning happen tomorrow and try and make all these, we've got to make this magical moment. The the magical moment happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus showed up. All we have to do is stop and behold the wonder of it all. It goes on though, here's the third point, the third reality of how, why we celebrate this Christmas. Christmas is this, it's a stunning expression of God's love. 
Christmas is simply a stunning expression of God's love. He is remembered, it says here, his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, to the Jewish people, but not just them, to all the ends of the earth who have seen the salvation of our God for everybody who bows and adores and embraces Jesus Christ. Christmas is a stunning expression of God's love. He's remembered his steadfast faithfulness. What is God's motivation for giving us Christmas? Because he loves you. What is God's motivation for giving us Christmas? Why did Christmas happen? Because he is faithful to his word. And because he promised his people from the first time that Adam and Eve sinned and then we all born into it, we inherited it. From the first time that Adam and Eve sinned, he promised that there was gonna be a once and for all savior that was gonna come and take away the sins of the world. That's why God gave us Christmas, because he loves you. And because he's faithful to his word. In his love, here's what God provides for us through Jesus. He provides for us an alternative to living a selfish and sinful and unsatisfying life that is ultimately gonna lead us to an eternity separated from God. And he's given us a buy-in option that we can live a selfless, subservient, and sweetly satisfying life that will last forever. What motivates him to this is simply love. Because God loves you. I have a hard time understanding that in my own heart because I know how I am. And, and yet this is the truth of Christmas. We don't have to strive to understand it. We don't have to like, we could just know. How, how do we know God loves me? Because he sent his only son to this earth to live. And we know how that story goes. He lives for 33 years and then he dies a horrible death and then raises again that we might have the hope of heaven and eternity with God. Why does God give us Christmas? Because he loves us. We give gifts sometimes for a whole bunch of reasons. Sometimes because we feel obligated. Because they're family, because they're giving me a gift. It's just what we do at Christmas. But a true gift is given simply because you love a person. Simply because you see that person and you want to express your love to that person. And God gave us Jesus. You know, there's no obligation on God's behalf. He didn't have to give us Jesus. It was like, all right, they're gonna give me a gift. I gotta give them one. God gave us Jesus simply because he loves us. Christmas story expresses this. Zacharias realized this reality when he said that Jesus came to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. Remember his holy covenant of love with his people. Mary said the same thing when she knew, she knew that Christmas was a result of God's love. She, she says this in Luke 1:54. She said, you've helped your servant Israel in remembrance of your mercy. You spoke to our fathers. And this gift of salvation, this gift of Jesus says here it's not just for the people of Jewish descent, it's for everyone. The whole earth has seen the salvation of our God. This is for everybody. This is for all the nations. This is for every person on the planet. This doesn't matter where you've come from or where you're going. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are or how bad you think you're gonna be. This gift is for everybody who just would reach out and embrace the fact that Christmas is Jesus, that Jesus is salvation. Every person on the planet has access to this gift. It'd be like me giving out a password and saying, hey, you know what? Here's a link to a million dollars. All you have to do is go home and click on it and put your information in and, and you, have, you have everything. You have a million dollars. So this isn't a million dollars we're talking about. This is like a spiritual, spiritual gift. It's a, it's a life change. It's the living water. It's, it's eternal life. It's the fullness of life on this planet. And God says it's available to everyone, but you have to receive it. You have to do something. You have to have this password. It's by faith. 
It's by faith I need to believe and embrace and repent of my sin and choose to follow Jesus. You need to grab a hold of this just because I'm telling you this doesn't mean you're gonna experience the fullness of God this Christmas. The fullness of God comes as you embrace this reality for your own heart. Many of us here have already embraced this and we already get this and that's why we're singing at the top of our lungs. That's why we have a smile on our face. We don't care about what we're getting tomorrow for Christmas. We've already gotten our Christmas present 2,000 years ago. It's a changed life that's been a result of that. It's already the most satisfying day even if nothing happens in the next few hours because we have salvation. This is really Christmas. Can you see why Isaac Watts is like, wow, I gotta, I gotta write a song to this. But then verses four to nine tell us how we're supposed to respond. We're not supposed to just leave here and go like, that was interesting. Let's get to the real Christmas party now. Christmas is a reason to worship like never before. Once you see the reality of this and you see the fullness of wow, I got nothing before God and and God sent his son to take on human flesh. I'm still wrestling with that in my own mind, but it's true, he took on human flesh and it just embodies the fullness of God that I might have a relationship with the Father. If I, that's, just, that's just a miracle. That's, that's astounding. And what's our only response? Our only response is to worship. Here's what, here's what the scriptures call us to. It calls us to do this, to make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, to, to worship God, to break forth in a joyous song and to sing praises, to sing praises to the Lord. Get the bands coming, you know what I mean? Like, like turn on the music, get the bands going with, with lyre and, and horn and trumpets, joyful noise, it says, couple times and all of creation did this when Jesus came and it's going to do this when Jesus comes back. The sea is going to roar and all that fills it and the world and all those who dwell in it. The rivers are going to clap their hands. Something significant is happening when Jesus shows up. And there's going to be joy together before the Lord like never before because he is coming. He is going to coming and he's going to make everything that's wrong right. And that Christmas is expressing that he came to start that plan. So we have to wonder if he's coming back. They wondered for years, is Jesus gonna really do this? Christmas means that he is coming and his plan is enacted, it started, and he's gonna come back and finish it one day. So our response is simply to worship. It's to worship. I've been preaching on this for two weeks now in our church, and I think the one thing we miss so often at Christmas, we get everything right, except we miss the worship. We miss the worship, we miss Christmas, and we miss life. And this isn't just like a little quiet little worship. This is a loud, exuberant worship. We're so passive in our worship. We're not passive about anything else, it seems. We get fired up about the sports teams. We get fired up about gifts, but when it comes to worship, we're all quiet and shy. What's this say about worship in this passage? We're supposed to be like expressing this from the top of our lungs. The joy of the Lord. Don't want you to get me wrong. The Bible does say worship is to be reverent for sure. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, but it's never to be wrote. It's never to be wrote. It's, it's never to be, this is the way we've always done it. There's no expression, no emotion in it. Remember the angels? They weren't just like singing in a nice little quiet voice in the heavens when Jesus came. They were, they were bellowing out joy to the world. So God wants us this Christmas to not try and make something happen this Christmas. It's already happened. All he wants us to do is to stop and to worship him to get the fullness of what Christmas really is. It was and it is and it is going to be. When God says make a joyful noise to the Lord, guess what he's saying? He doesn't care if you're in tune even. 
He doesn't care if you're like singing and you're gonna make a record label that all he wants from us as his people this Christmas, you know what he wants from us more than anything? He just wants us to not sit around the tree and worship a star. He wants us to sit around his word and worship him and tell him again how thankful we are that he is alive and he sent his son. To tell him again that we love him. That's what any dad wants to hear, right? We don't care about that other stuff. We just want to hear that you love me and appreciate me and you understand the fullness of the magnitude of who I am and what I've done for you. That's what God wants us from us this Christmas. He wants us to see again his grace of it all, his grace of it all and the beauty of his son so that our soul is captivated with the fullness of spiritual life that is only found in Jesus. That's what God wants for us this Christmas. He wants to be more passionate about worship than the gatherings and the gifts and even the grub. And so I encourage you tonight and tomorrow to not miss this great opportunity to stop and celebrate. We get it, we get it. Probably didn't happen on December 25th, but it doesn't matter to set aside a day where we stop and truly commemorate the birth of our Lord and Savior. Truly. Not a quick prayer before we say gifts and just get into it and a quick token little thing before before our dinner, but to stop and ask God again, help me see the reality of God on earth. to take time to sing as a family maybe and worship and allow yourself to express yourself to the Lord, to even go around in a little circle maybe and say, God, this Christmas I just want to thank you for. Because we have so much to be thankful for. Maybe he's even having a little family dance party. Ooh, we don't dance as Christians, we dance. <laughs> There's dancing going on in the Bible. It's okay to get excited about Jesus. Why do you get excited about everything? But it's okay to get excited about Jesus. You know what God wants from us more than anything? To get excited about Jesus again this Christmas. And to let him get you excited. Some of us are so, well, we don't, we don't want to show emotion. We, we, we hold back. We got it all together. God wants us to uh, unashamedly adore Jesus this Christmas. And maybe even tell somebody else about the reality of Jesus. That's worship right there telling somebody else the reality of Christmas and even being brave enough to utter the words Merry Christmas. Why are you excited this Christmas? I'm excited because I have a Savior this Christmas. Merry Amen. And you know what, this whole thing about worship, this can be done by anyone, anytime, any place, regardless of your circumstances. This whole call to worship is even if we're lonely this Christmas, even if we're bored and we're empty and we're discouraged, maybe we're even mourning or sad this Christmas or confused or struggling, you know what? We can still worship Jesus. Even if you're here today and you're like, I can't have a good Christmas, I don't, no one's gonna make this Christmas good, I just, it's just, you don't understand where I'm sitting, guess what, the reality of Jesus is God with us. It doesn't matter where you sit today, you turn your eyes to Jesus and this will be a meaningful full, life-giving day for you no matter what else happens in the next 48 hours. What is Christmas? Three words, God came down. Christmas is simply God came down and God is with us and God will be with us until the day he comes back for us. And so we have nothing to fear, we only have hope 
and joy and love and peace in our hearts because we know that this life is covered until the day that we meet God. And so let's celebrate this Christmas. Christmas is a time to celebrate. Christmas is a time to let it all go. We celebrate for New Year's, New Year's, Shmoo Year's. Why do we get all excited about New Year's and not Christmas? Who cares about New Year's? Who cares? Let's celebrate at Christmas this year. The fullness of what it really means. God's astonishing power. Jesus being revealed. God with us. Let's worship Jesus together. That's what God's plan is for us this season. And I just want to say one more thing before the worship band comes. It's this. When God comes back, when God comes back, you know what's going to be the song that's going to be singing, I think, when he comes back, it's going to be joy to the world. This whole psalm was written for his second coming, and even Isaac Watts wrote this song originally focusing on the second coming of Christ. We've made it the first coming, which is just miraculous as the second coming, but ultimately it's going to be joy to the world. But the only people who are singing joy to the world because he's coming to judge in righteousness are those who have embraced and accepted Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior. Those who have said, I'm a sinner, and man, I can't get to God on my own strength. I need a Savior. And who repent of their sins and turn to Christ. And so if you've done that, you start singing joy to the world tonight because it's gonna be what we're singing for all of eternity. But if you have not done that, if you're in this place where you're still stubborn and you're still this place of like, I don't want God in my life, I don't want to believe all this stuff, stop and truly consider the full meaning of Christmas. You can deny it, you can, you can choose to ignore it, but it doesn't change what Christmas is. It doesn't change that God loved you and sent his son into the world for you. For your sins, that you might have an eternity with your heavenly father. And so if you're just singing these songs tonight, but they mean nothing in your heart, you can stop right now and say a prayer and say, God, I want to know joy in my heart. I want to know the light of the world, the joy of the Lord. I want to know this today. And let this be the first Christmas you actually truly worship Jesus. And for the rest of us, let's just commit, this is Christmas we're going to worship. We're just going to worship. What are we going to do this Christmas? We're going to worship our God and our King. Let me pray as the worship team comes. Father, thank you for reminding us again tonight the simple truths of Christmas. God, we don't have to make it anything that it's not. It is astounding. It is remarkable. It is life-changing. It is joy-giving, heart-filling. Thank you, Father for choosing in your love and your faithfulness to give us Jesus. We know in this room here, none of us deserve Jesus. And yet, God, we eagerly embrace and we bow down before you now, God. We can't repay you for this. We can't give you a gift that could make up for this gift. All we can do is worship you. So, Father, I pray now that every heart in this place would truly adore Jesus. As we stand and sing this last song, God, may we hold nothing back in our worship and our adoration of a God who loves us, a God who saves us, and a God who came for us.
Fill us now, Lord, with the wonder and the beauty of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.